Get your pen and paper ready. It's time for another edition of The The Flex. The absolute best fantasy football podcast in existence. I'll say this, not to say that I disagree, but... I disagree. Oh my God. Presented by Broadway Sports. All right. Flexers ready? Welcome into the show. It is The Flex fantasy football uh, podcast yeah i mean i guess if ryan was here he would get the sound clip but i guess i don't get the sound clip uh welcome into the show i'm joined by justin graver of titans film room he's over here and then we have rob greenlaw at rob on broadway on twitter down there we are brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com we got a banging show for you today i'm gonna use banger and bang all day long, or at least I'm going to try to. I just got done watching the Lego show with Will Arnett, and they were doing a uh, block, flip your block uh, show, and he used Extreme the whole time. I thought about maybe using that, but I felt like that was too close to home. So, BroadwaySportsMedia.com, we got all kinds of content happening this week. We got you covered on all the transactions that happened, a lot of great articles in the uh, chamber ready to go. Um, so let's go and talk about, though, the shirt that has the internet a flutter, And that is this shirt right here. Ryan and Derek, AJ and Julio, and Taylor. It says Ryan, Derek, AJ, and Julio, and Taylor. The greatest shirt ever made. By far the greatest shirt ever. By far the greatest shirt ever. The greatest shirt ever made can be yours, and you can get 15% off by heading over to shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com and use code FLEX15 for 15% off any merchandise in the Broadway shop. Don't forget, we have last year's hit. It's a little out of season, but last year's hit, the Gator Boys shirt. So don't forget to get the Gator Boys shirt as well as the Ryan and Derek. And we have our own shirt, the Flex shirt, right there with our logo. It's a really comfortable shirt. Looks really good. Boys, how are we doing? Greenlaw, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, got to look at some uh, Gollum Build-A-Bears today online and you know, just got to see what you're going to send and torture my child with. Yeah, a lot. There is going to be, and it's really, I always buy gifts for people with small children that really are pains in the asses for the adults. So yeah, look for maybe noises. a seven foot, yeah. yeah. I like a seven foot tall giraffe is what I've sent. I've done big old panda bears, but some of these people, you know, they, they get a, they get a lot out of the panda bears. Justin, <laughs> you are looking dapper today because you, can we say where you were at? Is that legal? Technically. Okay. No, okay. no. <laughs> well, you were somewhere today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Zach. You know, I thought our co-podcast that we released this morning via Afford's Pod came out really well. So I just wanted to say I listened to it and I like the way you cinched it together. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you, if you haven't caught it, you can still catch it. It's there. It's a podcast, right? And you can also catch it again on Friday in a slightly different format as well. So, preseason's in the books. We've seen three games out of 32 teams, and there's probably a reason that most drafts are held after preseason because a lot of stuff can happen where you have to change your mind. Whether that is you're looking at the statistics and you're using the Bayesian formula to be able to do it. 
I don't know. But either way, whatever formula that you use, you got to figure out what is real, what is not real. So we're going to talk about how you may have changed your mind, what we've changed our mind on. You can also get into the questions and answers section by saying, hey, I changed my mind on this guy. What do you guys think? We'll do it. We're also going to talk about buying or selling hype. What's real, what's not real. We're going to tell you what you should be buying and what you should be selling. And what to do with the slant god. That's Michael Thomas. He is going way too high in some of these leagues. In my league of record, he went in the fourth round, which is just ridiculously crazy for a guy that's missing at least six games. And then we're also going to do a little bonus talk of talking about Kenny Galladay. And then we're going to talk about when and who. Which rookie quarterbacks are we targeting and when are we targeting them? And then, of course, we're going to your cues, our A's for you. Let's get it started. Robert Greenlaw, what have you changed your mind on? So I've changed my mind on Jacoby Myers. Last year, uh, you know, guy in our league, one of our leagues, Justin Mello, who writes for, for Broadway, he kept on talking about Jacoby Myers, and I, you know, gave him a thumbs down on it. I told him, you know, why are we even worried about this guy, Jacoby Myers? But from week 7 to 17 last year, he ended up being wide receiver 24. So, you know, just making it wide receiver 2 status and this offseason he, he might be the number one option for mac jones so i'm i'm in on jacoby myers i think he can be you know at worst a flex type guy cue the sound effect um but yeah, you know at, at best a solid uh wide receiver too so i i think he he's looked really good in the preseason he looked really good with mac jones over cam newton so glad they made that uh decision but uh he's a guy i've done a complete 180 on Side, side note, though, uh, imagine drafting Mac Jones in your league, dropping him from Cam Newton, and then having Cam Newton be released. Wouldn't that be super embarrassing? That would be the most embarrassing thing for anybody to go through, especially in a dynasty league where you're supposed to keep rookie quarterbacks. And dropping them for someone like Cam Newton, I mean, he drafted him. Mm-hmm. And then he drops him right after the draft for Cam Newton. And then yeah. the next day, Cam Newton's released. Justin, you've been a big advocate of Cam Newton changes how you view Damian Harris, how you view the wide receivers because of the goal line. And how do you view Jacoby Myers with Mac Jones compared to, say, maybe Nelson Aguilar or Johnny Smith or Hunter Henry? I do think Jacoby Myers is a good fit for Mac Jones style. You know, he's like a quick read, get the ball out in the structure of the offense kind of guy. He's not looking to extend plays in the pocket and target deep shots all the time, unless that's like, you know, the structured play. He, he really is a guy who plays in the, in the offense. So for him, Jacoby Myers with his little slants over the middles, little out routes and things like that. I think it's going to be a great weapon for Mac Jones. I think that's a good pairing I really like the tight ends now. I mean, Jonu Smith, I think, is a great value in this offense with Mac Jones starting at quarterback. I think Cam Newton, Cam Newton isn't a bad passer. I don't know how healthy he is now. I mean, we haven't seen him be a good passer in a few years just because of injuries and stuff, but really is in the red zone. I mean, Cam Newton, 12 rushing touchdowns last year. He was like in the top three in the NFL in red zone carries, which is just totally crazy. Um, so with him gone, from the offense, it just opens up possibilities for everyone else to score some red zone touchdowns that they weren't scoring in last year's version of this. It just really changes the whole landscape over in New England, having just Cam Newton even gone. I mean, like, 
having Mac Jones start is pretty big and that affects a lot, but now you don't even have the threat of Cam Newton. So you have a more, you have a, that they're bringing in Brian Hoyer. So you still have a guy that's more Mac Jones esque in his playing style than you do have Cam Newton. So it's like this whole offense just changes dramatically, just changes the Bayesian formula. So Titans film room, Justin Graver will tell us right now, give us your, what has changed your mind? For me, it's the Bills passing game. And the reason that I say that I've changed my mind here is just that I was afraid of drafting players in the Bills passing game, mainly Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, because I thought they were just being drafted very high because they played so well last year. It's just natural to expect a little bit of regression from after such an amazing season by Allen and Diggs. But I actually think that there is room for them to sustain what they did and it was the preseason action that changed my mind, particularly that last preseason game. Buffalo Bills were just dominant on offense, and I really thought Josh Allen looked amazing. And really what sold me on this as I watched this game, what what reminded me that the Bills' offense are not only a good fantasy pick, but actually a very safe fantasy pick, is just they throw the ball so much. Early down passing and just passing in general, they are not going to run the ball very often. So I think that Stephon Diggs, he's mainly, he's mostly going as like wide receiver three right now. I think Stephon Diggs should be possibly the wide receiver one, in my opinion. So I'm all in on Stephon Diggs. Yeah, he's wide receiver three. So I would draft him over Adams and Tyreek Hill, who are the two players being drafted uh, ahead of him right now, just because I think it's so consistent in terms of the targets, like very dependable targets. And Emmanuel Sanders is like not even being drafted. He's going 194 overall average right now. Just just crazy. Diggs didn't play in this preseason game. And Allen was targeting Sanders on like these little short comeback routes, just like peppering him with targets constantly. So I think Sanders is going to way, way overpay his draft cost right now. You can get him at the end of the draft. He's like basically free. And he's definitely going to be flexible at certain points throughout the year. And Diggs, I love Josh Allen. I mean, you have to reach for him, but I really think like the what the rushing touchdown production and just the pure passing volume is about as safe as you can get. Well, uh, when you have a running back like Devin Singletary who has a force field around him where he can't get right. into the end zone, you have to look at maybe this passing game. And you know, Greenlaw, when you look at trying to get the the running backs involved. Is there a running back that you're comfortable with in Matt Breida or Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? I'm, I think I'd go with Singletary out of the three, but I'm staying. I, this is a situation I'm trying to stay away from. Uh, like Justin said, Allen is going to get the red zone touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm not a big believer in this this rushing game. I think people are definitely sleeping on uh, Sanders. The his ADP is like really, really shocking. I think they remember him or they, you know, they watched him last year with, you know, Taysom Hill and no arm Drew Brees throwing him the football and they forget he's a really, really good pass catcher. So I think he's going to be like JG said, a, a flexible spot, a flexible guy, but I'm not in on, on these running backs. Gotcha. All right, let's move to what I've changed my mind on and I've changed my mind on my baby boy, Miles Gaskin. I've been a big Miles Gaskin believer since last year. I even talked about him in a couple of episodes before. For this year, the problem is the preseason changed my mind. Brian Flores is employing what we've seen and be employed 
in New England for the last 10 or 12 years, which is a frustrating running back by committee that is going to be definitely based on the opponent. Miles Gaskin is a much smaller back that they don't feel can carry the full season workload that is going to be required of your RB1. He's going in roughly the fourth round right outside of it or right inside of it. And I think with Malcolm Brown there, who is a much bigger, heavier back, you're going to see goal line opportunities go away. And I also think that um, Salvin Ahmed is going to see some playing time and everything. What works in Gaskin's favor is going to be passing situations and the third down. The problem is you don't know. I feel like it's going to be a lot like what you saw Washington do last year where a drive or so was maybe Miles Gaskin and drive and a couple of drives was Malcolm Brown. And then you're never really going to know who's going to get the bulk of the carries and who's going to be J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber, or Antonio Gibson. You just don't really know. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because Miles Gaskin, they, I felt like trusted him because they only really brought in Malcolm Brown, who is a very unremarkable running back but he's a running back that can kill your 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 main running backs value so i'm out on miles gaskin in the fourth round if he's there in the seventh i'm definitely taking a chance i know that's only three round difference but i feel like the seventh is where you're going to get your value on miles gaskin thoughts boys we'll go with Greenlaw first we were talking before the show how in mock drafts i kind of taken a wide receiver really like first round and then loaded up on some running backs after Gaskin's a guy I would take as like that third running back for sure because he's got that running back two upside and if I can you said fourth but if I can get him in the fifth round I'd be pretty comfortable with that um, especially if he's my third guy if he's my second guy I'm a little bit nervous but I still think he's way more talented than than both uh, Ahmed and uh, who's the other guy Malcolm Brown I think he ends up yeah horns down uh, I think he's more talented than those two guys, so I think he right. ends up. I think he ends up uh, getting more snaps and more opportunities, but it, the preseason does scare me a little bit. Now, Graver, last week you you kind of got a little defensive when I started kind of foreshadowing. This is where I was going to go with Miles Gaskin. First off, I want to ask you what are your thoughts now? Another week later, and are you handcuffing Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown? I'm not handcuffing them because I think that I'm not, I don't want to use two roster spots on a Dolphins running back. I just don't think the value's right for that. But I think if you're going to draft one of them, Gaskin is the one to draft. I do think he could still be a dependable RB2. I think he's going to get the most targets in the passing game, which helps his PPR value, obviously, if you're in a PPR league. And I don't know who's going to score the touchdowns. Malcolm Brown is a reliable player, which is a concern. Miles Gaskin, not been the healthiest player, only played 10 games last year, so also a concern. But I don't know. I still think the upside is worth it because, to me, he's by far the most talented running back that the Dolphins have. Whether or not they use him that way is, we'll we'll see. All right, let's move on to who we're buying and who we're selling the hype on. And we'll start with you, Justin. Are you buying or selling the hype on who? I am buying the hype, and this player may have had more hype than anyone this preseason, but I'm still buying it, and that is CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, Dallas Cowboys. He's being overdrafted in, in terms of like what, he's, what he was as a rookie last year, but the projection, obviously, with Dak returning, Dak appears to be fully healthy, just as I've been saying he would be uh, since you know we started doing this whole thing, and 
I'm all in on the Cowboys offense because I don't think their defense is going to be all that good, which means they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, which they did with much success last year. They're moving these receivers around the formation now, which they weren't really doing last year. So that gives CeeDee Lamb more opportunity to line up in the slot, take advantage of better matchups. And his catch radius is just so insane. I think he's worth drafting. I kind of have three receivers all stacked very close together in Terry McLaurin, CeeDee Lamb, and one other guy that's escaping my memory right now. I don't know. But I have all three of these guys pretty close together. And I think that... I would take Terry McLaurin over CeeDee Lamb, but it's really close, and CeeDee Lamb is my next choice there as like a third-round receiver. If you go running back, running back, I'm all in on CeeDee Lamb as my team's wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm with you. I would be very comfortable with CeeDee Lamb as a wide receiver one, and I kind of had came around to it. I wasn't really buying it because of Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup. You really didn't know what Dak Prescott was going to be. And then, you know, if Dak Prescott is healthy, then you still got Zeke Elliott back there, who was a RB1 with Dak healthy. So how much can he really get? But it sounds like to me that C.D. Lamb is super going to, they're just going to manufacture touches for him, whether that's, you know, jet sweeps or, you know, uh, wide receiver screens or going deep. They're going to manufacture touches for him because I think they know that deep down, He's the most talented player that they have on offense outside of Dak. Greenlaw, what are you feeling about C.D. Lamb right now? I love C.D. Lamb. I was actually going to ask the two of you what you guys thought about Zeke Elliott because I'm a little hesitant taking him where he's going, uh, but it feels like you know back end of the first round, he's going to be one of the options there pretty consistently. So I'm I'm all in on C.D. Lamb. I I love him. I'm, I would take him as my wide receiver one, but as far as Zeke Elliott, I'm a little hesitant. I'm still a little hesitant just because Tony Pollard's back there. And I think that this team saw Tony Pollard really come through for them in whatever you could say came through for the Dallas Cowboys last year with Andy Dalton and Denuzio. But to me, it's, you know, to me, it's, I I don't know if I, I think I like Tony Pollard's value better than I do Zeke's value. And doesn't mean that I'm rushing out to go for Tony Pollard, you know, in every draft or anything, but I'm just, I'm kind of with you. I'm just kind of lukewarm on Zeke and I think I'm going to let him, let him pass me by. Oof. I love Zeke. I'm all in on the Zeke resurgence here. I'm all in on the Cowboys offense. I mean, Dak was thrown for 400 yards, over 400 yards a game. I'm not saying he's going to do that again, but if he's thrown for over 300 yards a game, this team's putting up 30 points, close to that a week. There's enough room for everyone to get their touchdowns. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be used in the passing game a lot. He's a good pass catcher. And he just looks like he has the juice back. I mean, we do this thing with Zeke. It's like every other year. And I feel like we're in one of the good years now. I've seen drafts where he goes second, third overall. People are really buying some of the hype on Zeke. I don't know if I go that far, but I do like him as like... I like him over Saquon Barkley. I like him over... I like him over Dalvin Cook just because the Vikings, I'm so, I just like so turned off by everything that's going on in Minnesota and the potential for Cook to just like be a close contact out for five days scares the hell out of me. So I'm taking Zeke in the top half of the first round. Do you like him yeah. more than Kamara or uh, Jones? No. Uh, Jones I like him too. more than Aaron. I like him more than Aaron Jones. I like him. I, I would go McCaffrey, Kamara, Henry. And then Zeke is my next guy. And and supposedly Dak's arm is fine, but you take that first hit in a live game, you 
you gotta you, he's gonna have to take some hits and we're gonna have to see if it holds it's, up the whole year yeah That's it's really my bizarre worry. how it kind of just went away after nothing like he was getting mris he was being seen by baseball specialists because it was a baseball injury and then it kind of just disappeared well, well that's what they said mris i mean that's just yeah, what he, he does, does for rec- fun recreation does sean watson gets massages dak prescott gets mris um no but well they what they said was he just needs rest and so they held him out they he participated in practice so that he was there but he didn't throw the ball at all and then he rested and then a couple weeks passed they did another mri and they were like all right you're good to go so basically exactly what doctor said so i'm not scared of that at all i'm all in on dak i got dak so late in a draft today i'm like thrilled i can't believe people are out on the cowboys all right, I am, I'm selling the hype on Corey Davis. Now, here's the thing that I'm selling is that the hype for Corey Davis has been off the rails <laughs> this offseason. They're talking like he is going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy terms and blah, blah, blah. Let me say something. He's not. And, and I don't think it's really because of anything that – Look, it's because it's Corey Davis, and it's not because he left the Tennessee Titans. It's because he hasn't really ever proved that he is. He's basically just been a wide receiver three for the most part, and the problem is his points per game. He's never been someone you can rely on week to week. 2017, 82nd points per game. In 2018, he was 38th in points per game. In 2019, he was 74th in points per game, and last year he finally kind of you know became a wide receiver fantasy three consistently. And he was 32 in points per game last year in PPR. I mean, it's Zach Wilson. I know that Tony Romo has apparently gone and got really high today. And he said that Zach Wilson is the next big thing. And that was a big story today. And then on top of that, you have a, a, a run game and, I think people looked at that Green Bay game where he got all those catches and he was targeted so heavily, but they forget how wide open he was because he was going against no starters. That list for that game, that Green Bay game, was almost 23 people, I think, were not even playing that game. I don't understand. I understand that he's going to get a lot of targets, but can those targets turn into something that's more than you know, 60 yards or 70 yards and no touchdowns. See, that's the problem that I have with this is that I think he's perfectly valued. I think being wide receiver 41 and getting them, you know, as late as you can get them is great. But you can't rely on him to be that Green Bay Corey Davis week to week. Uh, Here's what I'll say about it. Yeah. I think that what's happening this offseason to Corey Davis is eerily similar to what happened to Corey Davis in the 2019 offseason. An Ole Miss receiver gets drafted the in the second round. The That receiver proceeds to get injured during training camp, so you don't really get to see what he can do. There's a ton of hype surrounding Corey Davis. He's making tons of plays in training camp. He has a real connection with Marcus Mariota. or, or Yeah, Marcus Mariota. Blah, 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 blah. Season starts. A.J. Brown comes out of nowhere, this rookie from Ole Miss, and just dominates the targets whenever he and Corey Davis are on the field together. And I do agree with this comment. Corey Davis has had periodic moments where he showed what he can do. And, yeah, it needs to prove that he can do it consistently, which is the thing. He can't do it consistently. It's been four years. We know he can't do it consistently now. 
Corey Davis has done the preseason hype thing a few times. I think Elijah Moore, I mean, this was your value pick last week, Greenlaw, so totally in on that. I think Elijah Moore is an ultimate value here. And I mean, he's going to be a stud. He's going to be Zach Wilson's favorite target. Like, it's just funny to see how this is playing out. It's crazy. Greenlaw, we'll, we'll thing, let you do the Corey Davis. Same happened with Odell Beckham, too, yeah. uh, when he came into the league. He had like a hamstring injury or something that kept him out of training camp, and it kept him out of the first week, couple weeks of the season. Went like, I, I know in my keeper league, I got him like in the 15th round, but that's about where he was going. And then as soon as he was able to play, he was unbelievable. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Elijah Moore is this year. And I am... If I get Corey Davis as like my wide receiver four or something, someone I'm on a on the bench until a bye week, I'm okay with that. If I have to put him as a wide receiver two, I'm not not super comfortable with that. If if that was the if like if I was forced into that situation, I'd be trying to deal him if he has a couple of good weeks prior to uh, more coming back. That is your sell. That's a good sell high candidate right at the beginning of the year is going to be Corey Davis. That is going to be for sure. Cause everybody's going to see these targets and start getting all salivating and all that kind of stuff. So Greenlaw buying or selling and who is it? I am buying Terrace Marshall jr. The third wide receiver for the Panthers. Uh, last year we saw basically the same role go to Curtis Samuel. He had over 90 targets. Uh, he was wide receiver. I think 24 last year. They had three wide receiver twos in that Carolina offense. So I have no, like, no doubt that this offense can support three wide receiver twos again. So he's going 191 overall. That's incredibly late for someone who's going to step into a role where, you know, even if there's a dip, 80, 90 targets, uh, because Samuel missed a game last year and he still had over 90 targets. So 80, 90 targets for Marshall. He's looked amazing in preseason makes me sad every time I see him in preseason because I wish the Titans would have gotten him. Uh, but he he looks great, and I, I think he's got an upgrade at quarterback from – or the Panthers do from, you know, Teddy Bridgewater to now Sam Darnold who can threaten downfield a little bit more. So I think all three of the uh, Panthers wide receivers are good bets, and the value with Marshall is, like, ridiculous right now. I don't have anything to add or then I'm all in on Marshall and try to get him in every league I'm drafting in really late because you're, you're correct. Everything you said, the stats, the target share, what you've seen in preseason, he is the real deal. That's very, he's very Justin Jefferson esque in my opinion, that he's going to be someone that's probably going to end up being the best wide receiver out of this class. I'm in on it. All right. We're let's talk about what to do with the slant God. Um, I'll, I'll start us off. You know, I really don't know what to do with Michael Thomas. I know this. I know what not to do. I'm not drafting him higher than double-digit rounds. And I, because I'm not taking a risk on a guy who is coming off an injury, who doesn't really like his team, and his team doesn't really like him. He's sort of a little bit of a diva. And on top of all of that, last year in points per game, so only the games he's played in, he was 41st in points per game. In PPR, which is his bread and butter, mind you, because that's all he can do is catch little slants and all these easy balls. We don't know if that's him or Drew Brees. Well, I mean, if anything... He wasn't doing anything else with Taysom Hill. 
Like yeah. when, last well, year when that was the case, he wasn't doing anything okay. different. But doesn't Drew Brees's Taysom Hill I guess more recent? Uh, I realize I guess that. the Drew Brees of last year fits perfectly for the Michael Thomas of last year or of any year because he doesn't go deep, right? I mean, Michael Thomas is known for this stuff, so. It's hard for me to get excited. It's hard for me to want to draft him in the eighth round, the seventh round, which he's going. He's going to miss six or more games. This is a guy that could probably slow play the injury and all this kind of stuff. I just don't like the situation. I am waiting. If he's there in the 12th round, I'll take a flyer and and stash him. But if you're drafting him and you don't have four other wide receivers already, then you're just wasting your time. If he's Green your law. first what are wide you receiver off the bench, you're in big trouble, I think. Because, right. you know, like you said, you're not getting him until week seven. Uh, I mean, if you're relying on him to make an impact, horrible decision. You need to draft him as if, like, he's barely going to make an impact this year. Like, and the ultimate flyer pick. I would not put any stock into him doing anything this year. Um, but I, I did pick him up when he was, you know, my fifth wide receiver, my sixth wide receiver, something like that where he's just an upside play in the league that I'm in my league of record in which I won the championship. I made the brilliant trade around week five or six where I gave away Justin Jefferson and chase Claypool two rookies who were just on a little hot streak that was sure to die off for Michael Thomas, expecting him to be back in a week or two and to resume his role as a wide receiver bona fide fantasy star. Man, did I get burned by that bull crap. So I am just totally staying away from Michael Thomas. If he falls to the 13th round, then sure, take a shot. But like, I'm not, this is not someone I'm targeting at all. I'm very comfortable taking Marquez Callaway and just hoping that he can do what he did in the preseason with Jameis Winston. And even if Michael Thomas comes back after six weeks on the PUP list, that Marquez Callaway stays at whoever the quarterback, I guess, Winston, if he's still the guy um, by week seven, hope that he stays the number one target there and just no Michael Thomas for me. Would you Wide rather draft 30 is insane, by the way. Yeah, absolutely insane would... for a guy who might miss half the year. Would you rather draft Marquez Callaway 71 overall? Or Michael Thomas, 71 overall. Gun to your head, you had to choose one for the year. Because I'm going Marquez Calloway. Same. I am too. I'm taking the guy I know is going to be playing at least one week this year. Now, Kramer wants to know, of course he couldn't go through and do the set topics that we had. So he wants to add one real quick. And I'm just going to ask you, Greenlaw, I'm not even going to answer. What do you want to do about Kenny Galladay? I'm, I don't want to have any piece of the Giants passing attack or running attack, actually. I don't want anything to do with the Giants, period. Uh, so He's going I'm one spot away. one spot before so, Michael Thomas. Who yeah, would you rather have? I, I guess Kenny Galladay. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Marquez Callaway over both these guys. Um, yeah, no thank you on, on this. I have no faith in Daniel Jones. I like Kenny Galladay as a player, but I don't have any faith in – you know, Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones or this offensive line to keep Daniel Jones upright. I mean, it's this team is going to be a mess. Yeah, agree. Anything to add on this topic you just had to have? Well, I just wanted to mention that these are both <laughs> guys that I'm not drafting at all. I can't believe their ADP is so high. And if I had to take a wide receiver uh, going after them, 
instead of them. Jerry Judy's going 31. Devontae Smith's going 32. Robbie Anderson's going 33. Debo Samuel's going 35. I'd rather have any of those guys than I think you could just two. list the rest of the wide receivers, and that's who I'd rather have than these two guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the list does does go on and on. Let's talk about these rookie quarterbacks because I'm looking at the ADP and it hasn't really changed that much. Um, what what I would have thought it would have changed. Maybe there hasn't been a lot of fantasy drafts, but I'm looking at it. It goes Trevor Lawrence, then Justin Fields, then Trey Lance, then Zach Wilson, then Mac Jones. In that order, now uh, Trevor Lawrence is QB 14, and that's where he's going right now, which I feel... I think that's the worst value out of everybody, and Mac Jones is the best value out of everybody. So, I, okay, let's just real quick let let's go through these quarterbacks pretty quick. Trevor Lawrence, are you drafting him or avoiding him, and is he too ranked too high? So, Graver, what do you think? I'm avoiding him. He's ranked too high. I haven't seen anything out of this Jacksonville offense this preseason that gives me any hope that they will be scoring touchdowns, which is the name of the game. So, I'm out. Greenlaw, same question. I agree with JG. The only positive I would give is they might be down by so many points they have to pass the ball, and he'll have some volume stats. So basically, Blake Bortles is is exactly. Yeah. Okay, so the next one up is Justin Fields. Do you think that Justin Fields should be the number two rookie quarterback consideration? Where would you rank him among these five? We'll start with Greenlaw. I think I would rank him maybe last. I'm not so sure we know exactly where he's being drafted uh, or where when he's going to be playing this year. So that's that's the only reason I would put him last. Mac Jones, we know, is the starter. Trey Lance, I think there's just more upside with Trey Lance than uh, Justin Fields as far as you know the offense that they're in. And Zach Wilson, we know, is going to be starting day one. So I think he would be last for me. That doesn't mean I don't like him. But uh, I think he would be fifth in this ranking. Greenlaw, what do you think? Um, yeah, that's fine. Um, oh, that, yeah, sorry, Graver, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I actually disagree 100%. Justin Fields is my favorite rookie quarterback to draft because of the upside. And I recognize the utter floor is that he doesn't play a game. And that's absolutely within the realm of possibility here. But I wouldn't draft any of these rookies to be my quarterback. You know, just like I said last year, you'd be crazy to draft a rookie quarterback and rely on him every single week because you're going to get a random four-point week in there, which you did get one of with Joe Burrow last year. Boom, got it out of the way. Um, Justin Fields, if he does get the chance to start, I think has the highest ceiling. So I'm in on Justin Fields as, you know, like a stash quarterback two guy over anyone else. I, I do think Trey Lance also has a very high ceiling, but I think Trey Lance has equally low floor to Justin Fields. And just based on what I saw in the preseason, I like Fields better. I think Fields was tucking and running more. I know Trey Lance can run, but like Fields showed that ability more in the preseason, which is a high floor in terms of fantasy points. So I like that aspect of it, and that's the tiebreaker. So what are you doing about Zach Wilson and Mac Jones? Obviously, Mac Jones is way too low. I mean, he's he is the guy. Zach Wilson is also the guy. And for them both to be dubbed the guy and they're not that high are these guys that you're willing to take and have to be your backup guy or are you just avoiding these two guys altogether we'll start with you graver i actually i think mac jones is 
not going to be a great fantasy performer this year. I just think the Patriots are going to run a slow-paced offense with a lot of run, a lot of handoffs, and he's going to not average that many pass attempts, and he's going to throw for like 200 yards a game and maybe a touchdown. I, I don't really like Mac Jones as a fantasy player really at all this year. I think Zach Wilson, though, now the preseason is the preseason, and it's hard to take away anything from it really, but just basing what I saw in the preseason, I watched basically every preseason game, Zach Wilson looked really good. He looked really comfortable in the pocket. He was stepping up and navigating and firing the ball downfield. He has looks like he has the strong arm that everyone talked about he had. I really like Zach Wilson. I mean, the difference between what Zach Wilson and Mac Jones did for most of the preseason is that Zach Wilson started, and he only played two games, but he started both those games and played against higher string players. I don't know how many starters were playing on the other teams, but higher string players. Mac Jones played mostly with backups and against backups. Same goes for most of these other quarterbacks that were rookies. Zach Wilson was... Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were the two that really played against first stringers, at least whoever this started the game for the other teams. And I think Zach Wilson looked the best out of all of them. And the fact that he's going the latest out of all of them is a little crazy to me, just because if, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur is able to run an offense, anything like what the Shanahan tree has produced around the league, the upside here is very high. So I think, He's going so late. I would take a chance on Zach Wilson. I'm glad I got him in our dynasty league. I'm not saying he will pan out for sure, but I think, again, all these guys have really high ceilings. They also have really high bust potentials. So I don't know. I, I think Zach Wilson has a way higher ceiling than Mac Jones. I think they all have higher ceilings than Mac Jones. Mac Jones is my least favorite. I wouldn't draft him. Greenlaw, let's let's talk about this real quick. Who is – this is a very impressive, in my opinion, quarterback class when you look at the situation that they're in because eventually Justin Fields is going to get rid of Matt Nagy out of out of there, and then Urban Meyer is going to fake an injury. So I'm not too worried about their future situations. Who out of this is going to be – in five years, who is going to be the, the cream of the crop quarterback to own – the next Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson, who is going to be the next great fantasy quarterback out of this draft class? I know I ranked him last, but I think for this year, he's last for me, but I like Justin Fields. I think going forward the best, he's going to have, you know, a completely clean slate after this year, most likely with a new coaching staff. Um, and I, you know, what if they get him Brian Dable or something like that, that would be incredible for him and his fantasy value. So I like him the best, um, and then probably Trey Lance because I just like uh, Kyle Shanahan's system so much. So those two, and then Zach Wilson maybe close second. Trevor Lawrence feels like he might be stuck with Urban until Urban calls it quits. Um, I, I'm going to go with Trey Lance. I, I think that you haven't seen a full Shanahan, Trey Lance kind of deal going. And I think he's going to be a little bit more durable than what RG3 was. And I think eventually, I don't know what to make of this. Jimmy G plays a drive, and then here comes Trey Lance and plays a drive. I don't get the point of it. Um, but I'm stashing Trey Lance as much as possible in, in a lot of these leagues. I'm trying to draft a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who is a bye week of 13 so you got plenty of time for trey lance or even justin fields that is what that's my strategy for everybody that's going out and doing this uh they're drafting this week and we're gonna all give one here real quick because we don't have any questions so we're all gonna give one real quick we don't want your questions anymore and you misspelled quarterbacks so let's talk about the um 
draft strategy. And my draft strategy that I want to impart to you guys is to draft Ryan Tannehill first. And not in the first or anything, but draft Ryan Tannehill where he's at because he's going to be a competent and great fantasy quarterback for you, especially with the addition of Julio Jones. And then take your flyer on your backup of Justin Fields and Trey Lance. It's always important, always, always important to look at bye weeks and look at what's going to happen. And by week 13, I think you could start seeing Tennessee's offense lean a little bit heavier on Derrick Henry. And I think that you could see Trey Lance and Justin Fields overtake their their incumbent quarterbacks and be the starters. Greenlaw, what is your one draft strategy you want to impart to everybody? I would say that if you get stuck with like the Mike Davises, the James Robinsons, the Miles Gaskins, make sure you get a couple of them. So get your RB1 like in the second round or in the first round if you're able to. And then if you if you're stuck with those guys as your RB2s, get get two or three of them so you're not you're not stuck because we don't know really the situation with any of those guys. So make sure you loading up and insulating yourself from, you know, whether it's injury or they they lose playing time to someone. Graver, take us home. My note on draft strategy here is about at the end of your drafts, I like to reach a round or two for defense. And it's really hard to predict defense based on previous years. So I like to look at the week one and week two schedule. I'm a defensive streamer kind of guy. That's my that's my preferred method. So I like to look at who everyone's playing week one when we kind of have an idea now of who the bad offenses are going to be and pick a defense that has an easy schedule the first couple weeks so you're not trying to drop anybody too soon. We're not forced to because of a defense. And there is a few defenses I like that have really good matchups week one that I'm okay taking in your third to last round to ensure that you get them and then take some random sleeper like Emmanuel Sanders in the second to last round and then get your kicker in the last round if your league requires that you draft a kicker. If your league doesn't require you draft a kicker, don't draft a kicker. But if you do draft a kicker, draft Evan McPherson of the Bengals. He's about to be the best rookie guy that we've seen in a long time. Okay. The, def- the defenses I like for week one, the Broncos get to play the Giants week one. That's a crazy good matchup. And then they get the Jaguars week two. I love the Broncos in my number one defense to draft this year. I also like the 49ers who get the That's Lions. That's what I was going to say. Lions week one is a pretty good matchup. Their week two matchup is the Eagles, which could end up being a good matchup. I'm not really sure yet. We'll see how the Eagles look week one. But if the Eagles look really bad week one and you have the Niners week one, then keep them for week two. I think that's another good matchup. And then my last one is the Rams, who get the Bears with Andy Dalton week one. Great matchup. And then week two, they get the Colts with who knows what the Colts offense is going to look like. I am out on the Colts offense. I don't think it's going to be very good. So I like the Rams. as Those are my three defenses to target this year. Well, thank you to everybody that joined us today. I do have a post-draft strategy real quick. I would recommend that if you don't have to take a kicker in in your draft and you need to pick one up, don't use your entire fab budget on one. Don't use, you know, don't spend your entire season's worth of fab budget on on a kicker. That's not a great strategy. I would not recommend it. Well, next week, boys, we're bringing back sit start. Are you guys excited to get dominated by me? I, I know I am excited to dominate you guys. Um, so for Robert Greenlaw, for Justin Graver, at Titans Film Room, at Rob on Broadway, for uh, I hope Ryan's uh, daughter won her soccer game. So go Avery's team. Let's hope that she won. And for myself, Zach Lyons, at F Pod. 
This has been the Flex Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find all of our podcasts with BroadwaySportsMedia.com on the 440 Sports feed. And we are out. A Broadway Sports Media Production.